It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Ice Sports Custom Fish Houses, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Bring It Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. Another weekend of a very strange world that we're living in right now. But uh, we can still get outside and we can still enjoy the outdoors. And we're going to talk probably our last weekend of ice fishing. Uh, Mandy Urick is going to drop by here in just a bit. Talk a little bit about you know some of the areas that you can actually go out and do some crappie fishing. Steve Sapaniak has been out on Mille Lacs and some of those uh, areas around Mille Lacs, some of those smaller lakes there, so he's got the latest on that. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how to keep ticks off your dog this time of year, because a lot of people like to take their dog for a walk in the woods and do some shed hunting and stuff, but we're starting to run into that time of the year where ticks become a problem as well. So we'll talk about that, too. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment, brought to you by Ores and Mine and Crosby. Ores and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, propane fill, even make informed suggestions on where to drill your holes. Don't hit the Cuyuna Country ice until you hit Ores and Mine on Highway 6 in Crosby. Back with us, Mandy Urich. And uh, I, I tell you, if there's one person that's probably itching for open water, it's got to be you, Mandy, right? Please let it open up now. But I can't complain because this is my favorite time of year. Late ice for ice fishing is like, you know, the fall rut for people who hunt. So no complaints as long as, you know, I'm still getting out there, still fishing, still practicing our social distancing and all the rules that apply. But I, I, I am definitely looking forward to open water, though. <laughs> for sure. And how is our ice conditions out there right now, Mandy, um, for those that haven't been able to get out and stuff? I know probably our shorelines are starting to get a little tricky, and foot traffic is probably the best way to go. Yes, definitely. It, it, I mean, it went quick uh, just in the past week alone. A, a week ago, I was taking a wheeler out um, on lakes around here and lakes, you know, a little bit north. Two weeks ago, we were still driving trucks on. Uh, as of last night, when I was out, uh, ice is pulling away from, from shorelines right now, and she's punky. I mean, we, we're definitely in the last, you know, few days, if not five days, I think, of, of fishable, safe ice, I would say. With, with the temps and the, and the high winds, she's eating it up quick. So what are you doing tactic-wise? Anything uh, special? There again, it's all about where are you going, what you're chasing, but um, I've literally fished uh let's say anywhere from three feet of water to 12 feet of water they're again targeting uh predominantly panfish and and crappie uh this is again favorite time of year because of sight fishing for crappie um i love to do that uh and some of the water bodies um the crappies are in in shallow and they're right under the ice so literally you can drop the puddle jumper i love the white puddle jumper down the hole, no no electronics needed whatsoever, and there's nothing more exciting than, than watching, you know, a crappie come in and just open its mouth and then, you know, snap up that, that puddle jumper, which kind of makes it exciting. But big baits, little baits, uh, I've been using some, some bigger baits, the puddle jumpers, obviously, for crappie, but yeah, the panfish, they're kind of all over the board. You know, some are coming right off the bottom, and some of them, there again, you might be fishing 9 to 12 feet of water, and they're kind of hanging in at that, 
you know, four or five feet off the bottom, um, still using uh, super micro lures for those um, plastics. I've actually been using a lot of plastics, uh, like a little rat. So I like white or, and red this time of year. It's just a little tail that goes on a micro tungsten jig has been good, or you can always tip it with, uh, with waxes or your larva. How hard is it to find weeds right now, Mandy? Because we, we really have lost a lot of snow out on the ice. So, I mean, a lot of that light can penetrate. Is it easy to find weeds right now? Well, what you're finding right now, more than likely, is the, the decaying clumps. Uh, we, we did have, obviously have a ton of snow this year uh, on top of that ice. So we lost a lot of that veg, which it happens every year and then it regrows. you, you got to use basically your knowledge from what you found in the fall to be honest and to know where some especially that deeper cabbage was or is when you get out and start targeting it uh i have a little micro aqua view that i bring with and i drill a hole and and drop it down there and that's literally what i'm looking for like i'm twisting it around uh seeing if i can find any of that remaining uh clumps of cabbage or underwater veg so some interesting stuff there. Now, you have been affected like many of us. Um, you know, you you had a ton of trips planned. Uh, you did get to Canada once, but you actually were planning on going back a few more times, and that all got basically thrown by the wayside now. Yeah. Uh, this would have been my most exciting March ever. Uh, I had four trips planned between Manitoba and Ontario. I did get up before all of this happened, the end of February. I was up in Ontario uh, wolf hunting. Unfortunately, I did not get a wolf, but I spent 13 hours a day for seven days straight in a, in a blind, <laughs> watching lots of eagles and blackbirds and ravens eat on carcasses. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I got back and was literally supposed to turn and burn within a couple of days and fly to Toronto for five days as one of the headliners doing seminars there. Um, and obviously that got canceled. Sports shows got shut down. After that trip, I was supposed to go to Winnipeg. And that's basically about the time when Canada was talking about closing borders. And then, you know, we got our, our shelter in place. But this past week is normally when I'm back up in Ontario for seven days of late ice fishing of, you know, crappie and everything else. So, yeah, we've just been hanging out at home and still working. You know, working an 8 to 4.30 day from home and then hitting the little lakes right around the house at night for some, some ice fishing just to get some get outside and get a little bit of that fresh air. Well, that's the one thing we can do. I mean, that's, I mean, you can actually get outside and granted, yes, you, you can stay away from other people, which everybody is saying we're supposed to do. But that's the one thing I keep stressing that people can still do is get out and, you know, if fish or take a walk in the woods or, or something like that. I mean, that's something we can still do. Yes, absolutely. I can say I've seen parts of my property that I have never seen before. <laughs> Just for the simple fact that, you know, I, I've, I've had the time to really crisscross back and forth. I was hoping to find a few sheds on the on my back 40 here, but I, I haven't thus far. But, yeah, get out and get some pressure. Just be smart about it. Follow, you know, Governor Walz's orders. and But get some sunshine like everybody's gonna go a little stir crazy if you you know you can't go out in the backyard and play for a little bit (laughs) that's for sure now were you uh surprised mandy about what went on with rainy river and how they shut that down and lake of the woods and everything like that because you know i see both sides of it um because there's some people that are pretty upset about it there's some people that get it where were you on that whole thing 
I get it. I, I was shocked. Yes, obviously, we've never seen anything like that happen before. Um, but if you've ever been up there, you know, I mean, literally, there are thousands of people that are up there. You know, that's one thing I look forward to. I take five days off and go up there and, you know, walleye fish and sturgeon fish. So I get it, you know. Um, one, it, it, it affects the businesses and the resorts and the gas stations and everybody else around there. But at this time, I, you know, the focus isn't on what's, you know, how it's affecting businesses. It's making sure that we can keep families and um, safe. So, yeah, I, I think the fear is, you know, with, with the fishing opener coming up, everybody is that put a little uh, streak of fear that other counties could, could follow suit. So it'll be something interesting to watch. Yeah, and like you had said, too, that's some news that broke this week, too, is the uh, governor's fishing opener. They postponed that until next year out on uh, Ottertail, too. So, I mean, that's something I know talking with Eric out there. I mean, they were really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to that. I was going to help guide for it. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm glad, too. I mean, yeah, we get it. If everybody else is making the sacrifices, it seems a little silly that, you know, we'd get together for this celebration for, like, you know, as long as he isn't canceling the opener, like, hey, we can, we can all enjoy it, um, and I'm glad that Ottertail is going to get the opportunity to host it next year still. Sure. And turkey season coming up here on the 18th. Are you looking forward to that? Hopefully that'll that'll still be going, right? Correct. It, you know, according to the directive, uh, hunting and fishing is, is still listed on there. And, yes, part of you know being out and about and doing a lot of scouting for uh, turkeys on the property around here, normally – you know, I come back from rainy about that time, and then I go to South Carolina to turkey hunt. Um, so I'm excited. I'm going to be home, and I'm hopefully going to be able to hunt right here on my my property. But, yeah, counting down the days literally until I can get out in the blind. No doubt about that. That's Mandy Urich. She is a, a contributor here to uh, Brainerd Outdoors. Mandy, if people want more information on you, how can they get that? You can find me on social media. Uh, you can find me on, on Facebook or Instagram or they can tune in here and listen to us live. There you go. You take it easy, stay safe, and uh, we will talk to you soon, Mandy. Sounds great. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Whether it's for fun, sport, or hunting, if you love to shoot, you know it's important to go to a gun shop that has everything you need. That's Freedom Firearms in Brainerd. Freedom Firearms isn't a huge gun shop, which means Russ, the owner, attends to his customers. They carry rifles, shotguns, pistols, suppressors, distance precision rifles, plus ammo and accessories and gunsmithing. Plus, they offer $25 transfer fees. Buy, sign, or trade at Freedom Firearms, two blocks east of the historic water tower between Little Caesars and O'Reilly. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head out to Malax, get the story out there from Steve Saponiak. And Steve, you know, that's one of the best kept secrets in my mind is how good the crappie fishing can be on Malax this time of year. The tricky thing is getting out on the ice right now. It is, Brian. Unfortunately, you know, we got plenty of good ice on um, Malax, but trying to get out from the regular landings has been quite the challenge for many. Uh, we've got the same problem we've had every every year, you know. I mean, this time of year, we got people who don't want to walk out that block or two. they got to take their ATVs, even though they're more than capable of walking out there, uh, and their ATVs are just chewing up the landings all the heck. It's, it's getting pretty bad in some spots. Some areas, the landings are good yet, but, um, you know, 
maybe ask permission from a private person party there and uh, walk out and enjoy some of the best fishing you're going to find of all times for panfish on Mille Lacs is right now, folks. It's going, it's going gangbusters, let's say that. Yeah, and, and I would say call the resorts, too. They may not be open right now, but at least give them a call, and they can probably point you in the right direction out there on Mille Lacs. No doubt. I mean, everybody I know um, who has a resort, owns a resort, has always been more than happy to help out, more than kind to help out and steer you in the right direction. You know, maybe they know of a place you can go where uh, they're not allowing ATVs and vehicles, uh, and you can walk out there, but... Oh, my God, the big crappies are starting to go, and so are the bluegills. It's been fun out there, you know, getting some nice perch, too. So definitely don't rule Mille Lacs Lake out. The surrounding lakes are doing okay as far as the bite. Brian goes also, but uh, we're hitting the same scenario. Trying to get to the landings has been tough. I looked at Shakopee a week ago, and, oh, my gosh, you know, the 18 inches of ice out there for fishing. I made it out there, but I walked out there. It was the landings chewed up pretty good from ATVs again, just like the just like how many years in the past. You know, people just walk out there if you want to continue having good fishing. You know, with Malax being such a it's a huge body of water, Steve. If people are wanting to get out there and chase perch around or chase crappies around or go after bluegills, where would you send them? Because you and I obviously we've fished that before and we've seen how well things can do there and in that Vineland Bay area, but is there other places out on Mille Lacs that can be really, really productive as well? Oh, no doubt, Brian. Great question. There is many places on Mille Lacs Lake that is has been very productive and continues to be productive. Uh, let's just go around the horn. You mentioned Vineland Bay. Vineland Bay is fantastic. You know, it's a great producer for panfish, crappie, sunnies, and perch. Fish the weeds this time of year, fish shallow water, anywhere from 14 feet uh, to 8 feet, 6 feet, 5 feet of water. They're also starting to stage, you know, get ready in those spawning areas. So you'll see them down there. You cover the hole and look. So we got Vineland Bay heading the south on the southeast side, or southwest side, excuse me. you got Cove Bay. Cove Bay is a sleeper. A lot of people don't know about it. Big, beautiful perch, big sunnies, and big crappies. Again, closer to shore, folks, is the thing. Going down further south, you've got Wacom Bay. Brian, you and I have fished that many times. That's been a great producer of bluegill sunnies and perch as well. Uh, Isle Bay, that crappie hole over there in front of Chapman's Resort. Tim and Tina, great people. They'll steer you in the right direction, you know. Talk with them and everything. They'll help you out. Isle Bay's been fantastic. It has been the access on Isle Bay right out of the town of Isle. As you're heading on the southeast side, uh, Max Twin Bays, it's a weed bed over there in that little bay. That's been a great producer, a lot of crappies there, a lot of sunnies. More crappies than sunnies I've found out in the past, so that's been good. As you're heading up north and everything, anywhere you can find weeds, you're going to find fish. Over there by Cedar Creek, you've got some weeds, you've got some nice fish over there. You're moving up further towards Malmo, that huge stretch of weed bed. There is plenty of nice perch and there's plenty of nice uh, crappies in that weed bed. Haven't seen a lot of sunnies, but they're there. Then that whole north end, Brian, from the northeast side to the northwest side, that uh, all the way to the town of Garrison, that weed bed travels about eight miles. It has panfish in it. You just got to find where the weed beds are thicker. You'll find the most panfish. I know where those spots are, but, hey, I'm going to keep them to myself. <laughs> so that covers the whole lake. Right. Do you like to punch a lot of holes right now, Steve, and, and hop around? Or basically, you know, some people don't like to do that. They'll say that they just like to be stationary. Which way would you go on something like that? That's a great question, Brian. This time of year, like I said a couple of times just now, during the shallower water, the crappies and sunnies and big perch, you know, yeah, you know, the rule of thumb is 
pop a bunch of holes, 30, 40, 50, 60 of them, and hole hop. But when you're this shallow, you're spooking the fish also. I would get out there at, uh, before the crack of dawn, maybe pop a half a dozen holes or a dozen holes, and then start to fish. You know, don't be afraid to fish some old holes that have been open for the last few weeks, too. You know, just because you don't see nothing there doesn't mean they're not productive. But no, this time of year, I don't like to pop more than a dozen holes at the very most, Brian, and, and go back and forth between them. You know, and be respectful. It's one thing I noticed on one lake west of here. Uh, group of guys uh oh my goodness anything but respectful they were popping holes within five six feet of your holes already so that's not good you know have respect pop a few holes enjoy the fishing and everything and move on that's all it's to it well and especially now with this social distancing i mean <laughs> you, you want to stay away from one another you do you know um we're in one of those situations where we've always heard about it, we've read about it in the history books and everything, and we can all we can do is pray for the best. I hear some people say, I do believe this, you're kidding me. I seriously folks, if you don't take this one serious, you know there's something wrong. I saw on the news they had the first case of uh, the coronavirus, a ninety five year old man survived it. So they're doing a lot of testing on him and everything too. So yeah. You know, practice social distancing. Our governor says we can go fishing. Let's enjoy fishing. But uh, if you see me out there, wave. Don't expect me to get any closer. I'm no handshake and no offense. Right. No <laughs> No kidding about that. Colors, Steve, out uh, if people with jigs and everything like that, what do you like to use right about now? Uh, great question, Brian. Again, I am going to brass and bronze color little jig teardrop or just a little head horizontal presentation has been good. We're into plastics. You know, single tail white plastic or a, or a ta- uh, white plastic that emulates a crustacean like a freshwater shrimp has been productive. You can tip it with a waxworm or a spike, but right now plastics are shining and uh, it's been unreal. Uh, so go with that. If you're not having good luck with brass colored or gold colored jig, try going with a light pink with white mixed into it. That has been doing real well for us, Brian. Uh, using uh, fishing line, too, has been the key. Don't use something that sticks out like a sore thumb. All right, this time of year, like you mentioned a little while ago, these fish are leery. They're in shallow water. I mean, they can hear you above. They can see your line in this kind of shallow water. I'm running a fluorocarbon, four-pound test, breaking strength, a six-pound test, diameter of two-pound test. It's 100% invisible. It's been working real good for us. But uh, back to the jigs, uh, pink or reddish with the white stripes in it has been good. They've got the jigs on the market. They, on the top of them, they've got like a little diamond head. Those have been real productive as well also. Main thing is, you know, try to, uh, when the weather is stable and everything, you can upgrade in size. But also remember, too, sometimes, you know, when a person's in the mood for a big meal, that buffet looks good. But if you're not hungry for the buffet, a little uh, Burger King Whopper or a little McDonald's burger is all you need. Same thing with fish. What is it with brass and gold out on the lac, Steve? It seems like I've always had success with that out there. Why does that work so well on that lake? It's the dark shine. I really believe it. Like uh, when I guide for big trophy pike, we're going with a brass blade, and it's that dark shine. You know, that brass also is a color like of a golden shiner mineral. So that's something to keep in mind, too. But, yeah, brass and gold has always been good colors, and I believe it's you know, emulates that shiner mineral a little bit more often than not. Uh, it adds a different shine. Everybody goes with that nickel shine and everything, you know. Well, yeah, that's a shiner mineral, too, but there's not a lot of shiner minerals, you know, as far as you know, I know of in Mille Lacs. Like, there is some. 
but uh, there's a lot more gold in shiners, and that's a lot better colors than the gold. You know, everybody sees that high flash, and the fish get used to it, but that dark, dark flash is something that's, I don't know, it's been attracting them forever. I'm sure, and we just talked with Mandy here a little bit ago, she's itching to get out and bass fish uh, open water. I'd imagine you're just chomping at the bit to get out there and go after muskies right now. I, I can't wait. I've got the first three weeks of muskie opener June just already filled. It's been filled for the last two months. I'm chomping at the bit. One of my sons who bought my other boat last year, he's been helping me guide. He's a proficient muskie fisherman as well. He takes care of the overflow. I, I can't wait to get out there. I mean, I have never seen in the last three years, Brian, so many muskies from 56 to 60, 61, 62 inches. And that beast we saw going on three years ago that was over 63 inches, you know, God God willing, they're still there. Yeah, I can't wait to get out. That's what I love doing. And uh, if, and, and I was just going to say, Steve, too, if people want to uh, get a fishing trip in right now, you're actually offering uh, quite a deal. I am. Thank you for uh, thank you for reminding me, and folks. Listen, if you're interested in trophy pike fishing, musky fishing, or trophy walleye fishing, enter now. Go to my website. It's all one word: Predator Guide Service at charter.net i will give a full day guided fishing trip full day eight to nine hours for half day price you can split the half day with a buddy it's about a buck and a half each you can't beat that so it's a full day guided trip musky trophy pike or walleye at half day price go to predator guide service at charter.net all one word predator guide service at charter.net just say, uh, just uh, email me, uh, want to enter the draw, and I'm going to pick about a handful of names. There you go. Some great stuff. That's Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. I appreciate it, Steve. Good luck out there on Mille Lacs, and uh, hopefully you and I can get together and fish here real soon. Oh, that would be great. I, I really enjoy you and I getting together. We conquer all the world's problems and then some. <laughs> that we do. I appreciate it, buddy. You take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thank you, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And it's that time of the year where you want to kind of get outside and maybe do a little shed hunting or just take a dog uh, for a walk in the woods. But unfortunately, we're also into what we call tick season as well. Uh, contributor to Brainerd Outdoors, Steve Grossman joins us. I had a chance to talk with him a while back about the best way to uh, help keep your dog on the outlook for ticks. Just kind of a, a heads up for everybody out there with their dogs that, uh, you know, to be sure they get their Lyme vaccines and, and uh, a front line or another tick preventative, uh, you know, for on their dog's coat that uh, that ends up killing the ticks as soon as the ticks bite them. But, uh, you know, the ticks have they've changed a lot. They've, uh, there's a couple different viruses or diseases that have come from it and spurred from it. That's uh, Ehrlichia and anaplasmosis and so just, you know, if you're if you're on a good preventative maintenance uh, with your dog and, you know, get to the vet and get your stuff in order, you'll be just fine. Let's talk a little bit about the tick thing, Steve. As you mentioned, it just seems to me this year there are more. Well, first, you know, again, when people go in to get all their vaccinations from the vet, they can uh, they should get the uh, the Lyme vaccine. It's a two-shot series that the uh, that the dog can get from the veterinarian. And it's it's going to help. It's not 100%, but it's sure going to help. Uh, you know, other preventative things are frontline and some of the other uh, 
add-ons that you can put right onto the dog between their shoulder blades or on their rump. It's in liquid form that the dog absorbs, and when the ticks bite into the dog, the uh, the ticks die from that. So, uh, to my understanding, the tick has to be embedded or has to be attached for about a 72-hour period in order to transfer the Lyme vaccine or the Lyme disease. Uh, so, if that's all into place and the vaccine is there and they've been frontlined or something thereof. Uh, you know, you should be just fine. One thing that, that that we use a lot when we're in the woods in the fall, and even some of the spring hunters that were, were out this spring, is I keep a uh, like a flea comb in my first aid box in my truck. And when I get done, you know, with a run with a dog in the field, with that flea comb, you can just comb those ticks right out. And uh, man, it it sure makes a difference. So that's a good uh, it's a good tool to have. It's something to be cautious of, without question. And uh, you know, if, if you have issues with dogs and if you see lameness or stiffness come up in your dog, get it checked right away. If it's, an, if it's a new stiffness or lameness with the dog, get it checked right away. Uh, Lyme disease, Ehrlichia, anaplasmosis is, is very treatable if caught early, and that's the key. So they can get them on a tetracycline or an antibiotic to, uh, to be able to, to knock that uh, Lyme disease back. But, uh, yeah, it's really, you know, the, I don't know if it's, you would think with the cold cold we had and the cool spring that the ticks wouldn't be as bad as they are, but, uh, you know, you can't fool Mother Nature. Those ticks, are they're nasty. Uh, for those, maybe, Steve, that end up finding a tick on their dog, uh, there's probably a proper way to remove it as well for both your safety and the dog. We use a tweezer occasionally if the tick is really, really embedded. With the deer tick, the problem is that once they go in to bite, the head and you pull the tick off, the head is going to stay in there, and you're going to you're going to have a bump on the dog uh, where that where that head is that stays in the animal. The best way would be, and, and I've tried dousing it with uh, alcohol. I've tried dousing it with other things, uh, hydrogen peroxide, to get the tick to back out, and I've not had any luck with that. Uh, I guess for myself and with us, we'll just uh, I'll get the tick off the dog, pull it off the dog, whether it be a tweezers, a little pliers, something that you can grab hold and get a good hold of the tick and and get it out in one quick you know, one quick motion, but uh, the other things I've tried, and I've, I've not seen any, uh, any, any remedy to get the tick off. One thing that, that did seem to make a difference with uh, some of our, our dogs last fall, it's, uh, it's a product called Repel. It's more of a horse spray, and what we did with that, it's a horse uh, tick and fly spray. What we did is we would spray it into uh, a, a towel or a rag, and then we would wipe it onto the dog. And that really made uh, seemed to made a difference with the ticks that were were uh, on a dog versus uh, another dog. Like for example, we'd be on a bird hunt last fall, and this happened a lot. Uh, one tick would be with repel, the other tick, the other dog would not have any repel on, and the tick, the dog that had the repel had far less ticks coming out of the woods than the dog that uh, that did not have any repel. So that may be something that uh, you know that we're and we're going to continue to use it. So. Uh, you know that's a pretty good deal. The front line is it works for about a month, and and it's uh, waterproof. So that's a positive thing about front line. This repel is something we put on the dog each time we would take the dog every every day. If I would spray the dog down in the morning, and I wouldn't spray it again or with a with a rag until the following day. Uh, so if we were in the in the woods or on long walks or things of that nature. Uh, we didn't spray it right onto the dog. We just wiped it on with a rag, and uh, that seemed to work pretty well. So, uh, But that needed to be applied every time we went out.
And if you want to check uh, your dog for ticks, uh, Steve, do, do they want do ticks gravitate towards a certain part of the animal, or are they pretty much just bite in wherever? That's a great question. Many of them are going to crawl right under the collar and, and embed themselves right under the collar of the dog. So when you're checking your dog up around the ears, you know they get in the ears and right behind is whether it's it's a it's a more of a concealed place or. I mean, you'll find them throughout the body, but you'll find them more concentrated around the head and the neck area. But many people will just, uh, they'll get the dog, the ticks right around the dog's ears and, and the uh, on top of their head, but but uh, neglect what's underneath the collar. But, uh, boy, we pull a lot of them, you know, off the, right underneath the collar of the dog. So, and again, that's where that tick, that uh, flea comb works just great. You can comb the dog out and uh, you just see the ticks crawling on that flea comb and, and uh, so you know at that point you're, you know, they're, you're getting them off the dog, which is a good thing. So just like anything else, when you're done in the field with your dog or on a long walk, if you were to put your dog on the tailgate of the truck or on a table and, and look them over, they don't have any weed seeds in their eyes. Or, uh, you know, we had a dog a couple of years ago that, that punctured uh, a part of its lip with a branch. And so, I mean, and dogs can be really tough, and you won't even know what happened. So you, you give them a good look over and, and give them the once over, and, uh, you know, it's just good preventative medicine. Steve Grossman, uh, contributor here to uh, Brainerd Outdoors. I appreciate the info. As always, Steve, uh, dog owners are going to love that, I'm sure, as will the dogs. Uh, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Brian. It's nice to talk to you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3.